Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful, Michelle Slater. Michelle, are you ready to do this? I am ready, George. All right, let's go. Michelle struggled with Lyme disease for years. It suffered so greatly, she actually considered assisted suicide. In her last-ditch effort, she traveled to Siberia to work with the world's leading dry fasting expert. Her newest book is Starving to Heal in Siberia. Michelle, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about, some more about your journey, and I guess... What motivated you to write the book and what you're hoping people get out of it? Thank you for having me, George. I appreciate being on the show. And yes, I'm very excited that the Starving Deal has just come out yesterday. And it has, it's been quite the journey because I never intended to write a memoir or self-help book on recovering from Lyme because I was a healthy person who had a full life and I was, I was very productive before I got sick. So I was a university professor and I ran marathons. I skied and, you know, I went hiking all over the world and 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 then I went I went from that to just you know lying flat in flat in my bed and after being there for some years with what became late stage Lyme disease when I recovered and I know we'll talk about that I wrote the book because I had been in such a state of despair to the point that I had been on the verge of committing assisted suicide. And when I learned of this radical methodology and thought, well, I really don't want to commit suicide, but this body is no longer inhabitable. So I tried it. And when it led to my complete recovery, I thought, I cannot keep this to myself. It's radical. People may not understand it, but I have to write a book about it so that I could possibly help as many people as I could who are suffering from not only late stage Lyme or Lyme, but also chronic fatigue, mystery illnesses, autoimmune disorders. And there are a lot of them out there, George. So I thought I have a moral obligation to write this book. I, 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 that totally makes sense. I was going to say I identify with that, but that, that's that, that's not possible. So that, 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 that certainly makes sense. I remember hearing about Lyme disease for the first time, I think in 2001 or two. It was uh, uh, somebody that I'd met through business and their wife uh, had been struggling with it for a really long time. And now you hear about it and it's a terrifying disease because it doesn't seem like, it seems like it's always just, it just, people don't, can't, can't diagnose it. That's exact. That's exactly right. It is terrifying from for multiple reasons diagnosing it is difficult there is the classic bullseye rash yeah. that that the cdc says 70 percent of people get it but the but the truth is that so many people don't get it and the ticks are so microscopic and and so i didn't get the classic bullseye rash and and so yes and then the testing itself is is so sensitive that some people test negative but they're positive it's, it's so it depends on the test that you take and then they call it the great imitator because there's so many symptoms that it can mimic other diseases so it's hard to actually diagnose the, the Lyme itself so it does become and then by that point if you haven't diagnosed it it's become chronic and then it becomes even more difficult to eradicate so it is a very challenging disease. And unfortunately, there are more and more people getting it every year. I think about 440,000 people per year contract Lyme disease. Um, so it is 
Wow. A super sneaky, efficient illness. And is it an autoimmune disease or what, what is Lyme disease? So it itself is, you know, a vector borne disease. It is not considered to be an autoimmune disease in itself. However, because we can the immune system and the body is constantly fighting it off and these spirochetes that embed into you know the body are egregious so it leads to a compromised immune system so in addition to having the Lyme disease I actually developed an autoimmune disorder and that is very typical for patients with chronic Lyme late stage Lyme so the Lyme led to an auto autoimmune disorder in my case it was psoriasis which is one of the known um, disorders so so I I then had to combat that as well but my treatments cleared all of that up to my astonishment so I have no trace of an autoimmune disorder. I have no trace of Lyme disease and I have not for five years. Amazing. So you mentioned that you were, you were essentially bedridden. Um, I'm sure horrible pain and discomfort. Does it eventually kill people? Many people it's, it's controversial about, you know, what the death is actually coming from, but there are many people who die from, complications of of Lyme. There are also, it's um, the Journal of Neuropsychiatric Disorders um, reported recently that about 1,200 patients commit suicide a year because of these um, inflammation-inducing cytokines that cause depression in Lyme patients. And, and And then there are major complications from Lyme disease. So Yes, it it absolutely it absolutely does. Um, you know, I my joint pain was so severe that you know I couldn't put my hands around a steering wheel. To say nothing of you know even picking up a book, I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to read. I had severe migraines. I'd never had a history of headaches um, before. I had such memory issues. I would begin a sentence, and I had no idea. Oh my God. I was talking about I couldn't finish the sentence um and and just you know and then other symptoms tinnitus tachycardia night sweats um I couldn't I couldn't really walk very well sometimes I would slide down on my bottom from my bedroom to get to the kitchen and then I would be so tired I would just lie in a heap at the bottom of the stairs until I could get to the kitchen so it just it just it was not a sustainable life. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who have that experience. And so you're, you're Googling or trying to figure out what, what, what can I do? And, and you learn about this program in Siberia. Yes. And I had employed all of my, all of my tools is that, you know, I have a PhD from Johns Hopkins, you know, I'm a trained researcher, this whole experience for years, I had been researching, you know, as a sick person who didn't really have, you know, the wherewithal to conduct proper research, I would try everything that I could try. So I had, this wasn't the first thing I had tried. I had exhausted a whole variety of modalities from allopathic to alternative medicine. So yes, on that day, which I will never forget, I can remember what I was wearing, what it looked like, the time of day where the pillows were positioned um, in my bed around me. And and I came across, yes, this 
interesting phrase and a forum for patients, um, you know, with autoimmune disorders. And it, and it talked about the work of this Dr. Filonov in Siberia, an MD, who, who said that, you know, the cells in the body can turn into like thermonuclear reactors and incinerate diseased cells. Mm. And somehow that seemed logical to me. Sure. And, and, and just like I incinerate diseased cells was like, yes, this is this is what we need to do. It it, it might be magical realism, but you know, let's 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 find this doctor. So then I went on a quest to find the doctor and go to Siberia. It's like uh, literally it's 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 like the hero's journey you're you're venturing out into the unknown to 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 meet the the figurative yoda out in siberia what is this human being doing in siberia that's precisely right it is the hero's journey um george so he's from siberia huh. his he comes from a family of medical doctors in a part of Siberia that, you know, it doesn't look like tundra. It's in a very beautiful part, UNESCO protected part in the mountains. It's a luscious landscape with beautiful rivers and mountains, songbirds, you know, the tall pines. So it's this, it's this very peaceful sanctuary like setting. And this is, this happens to be, you know, where he is where he is from. And he believes that, you know, it's a favorable condition for the patient to be in nature away from the city, you know, while, while, while uh, conducting these dry fasts. So he has, he has a, a rustic clinic there. So that's why that's his, that's his place that it's conducive to healing. Was it hard for you to, to, to go there? I mean, just with, with, I, I don't have any idea if 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 an American could just go to Siberia. Yes, well, at this time, unfortunately, circumstances don't permit that. But he does conduct fasts in Western Europe and in Turkey, where you know everyone seems to be able to go. Um, I did have to renew um, a Russian visa that I already had, and and my my partner at the time. I had to literally pick up my body from my bed and sort of haul me to Siberia, which, which involved several flights and and a long car ride. And then, you know, even navigating some backcountry roads to to arrive there. Once I arrived, it it, it felt like I was in the scene of some fairy tale with you know, the doctor is right. Wife is running through this sort of field calling my name. <laughs> and I was like, I have arrived. Amazing. So yes, it was not easy to get there. And so I, I don't even know what dry fasting is. A lot of people don't. It's the primary question. So dry fasting um, means to abstain from all substances, including water. So absolutely nothing is ingested during a dry fast. And actually, one does not even take a shower, brush one's teeth, apply lotions or creams, because all of that could provide an external power supply to, um, you know, provide nutrients for for the body. So I call it, um, I call it uh, a practice that's similar to marathon training. So you work the body up to being able to 
undergo extended dry fasts. And I like to say right away that no one should try this at home today, mm. feeling miserable in bed and saying, well, I'm going for it. This is not how it's done. Um, Dr. Filonov is on drfilonov.net. He does Zoom consultations with people all over the world with a translator now, really largely thanks to me coming as the first American patient and then writing a blog. And all of a sudden there was a flood of people and he organized and now does Zoom consultations with a translator. But the dry fasting itself, you know, the body has this as an, you know, a known process. It's an ancient practice. So, so the body knows what to do. It sort of becomes its own doctor and goes into this sophisticated process of recycling compromised cells and renewing, you know, blood cells and, um, and, and, you know, um, recycling cellular debris. What was your, just sort of in general terms, what was your diet like before going there? So that's an excellent question because as I said, one doesn't just simply dry fast. Um, Dr. Filonov likes to have three months to prepare a patient. So my diet was already very clean. I've always had a very clean diet. So, you know, organic vegetables, very plant-based. Um, but I, you know, I've reduced portions, um, absolutely, you know, no sugar. Um, I, I never was, um, I had long known that, you know, white bread, et cetera, was, was a no, no. So it was, it was very, you know, healthy plant-based. Um, I avoided caffeine, alcohol, but what he did, I had, I had always been trying to put all these supplements in my body and I never thought of this elegant solution of what I could take out of my body. So he took me off all medications, all supplements, and and he had me employing some simple things like activated charcoal to, to you know, reduce, um, you know, the effects of all of these medications I had taken for so long. So I had a very simple diet, and then he put me on short dry fasts. So I did a one-day dry fast. I did a three-day three-day dry fast at home before I went to Siberia. And so, and I'd already been juice fasting, water fasting really since I was a teenager. So I was no stranger to, to that process. So I did, I did his preparation before I spent two months in Siberia with him. And those two months. And those two months with him saved my life. Yeah. What was, what was the longest dry fast that you did the longest dry fast that i did when i was when i was very sick because i now do maintenance dry fast not for lyme disease but because he counsels all of it he says it's a toxic world yeah. all of people should be dry fasting everyone should be dry fasting so the longest one i did when i was sick there with him was nine days and, wow. and the important thing about it so i first did a seven day and then he rehabilitated me with the exit. And it's very important, of course, not to overdo it in the exit. And then and then we did the longer nine day. And what he says, it's, you know, you can't cure a disease with a two or three day dry fast. It has to be cumulative days. Those cumulative days, the body is working up to this, you know, really powerful mechanism of sorting through the cells. The organs are resting, you know, the healthy cells are preserved, but it's going through this really sophisticated process and it takes time. So he says the ninth day is the most important day. So you have to make it to the ninth day with no food and no water, which, which, which I was able to do. Yeah. Huh. Amazing. So you 
were accustomed to doing fasting when just just growing up or 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 whatever before you got sick nine days could 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 you have done 20 because you were so sick no no i want to say i want to be very clear for the listeners out there that there are there are you know, there are social media accounts circulating in the U.S. about these long 20-day dry fasts. This is very dangerous, and, and and the human body should not undergo ever more than 11 days. And Dr. Filonov would never allow a patient to go past 11 days. What he would do instead would be to do a seven-day dry fast, then a nine-day, take a few weeks off, and do another nine-day. And that's the safe way to practice this. And he has been using these treatments for 30 years. So he, you know, he can, he observes the patient. It's this patient is under medical supervision. I, he would never approve of a 20 day dry fast. So I'm so glad that you asked that question. And I just pulled the number out of the air. I, I've never heard of, of a dry fast before our conversation today. It was more from my perspective of, would you have done anything to get better? I would have from a psychological I, I, standpoint. If I knew that it was safe and I did put a lot of trust in him because because I could tell he's very wise, he's very logical, he's very rational and I can see that you know he he makes you know very careful decisions with his patients and so I did put myself I did you know, put myself in his hands. And, and, and I thought, you know, none of these symptoms I have while dry fasting, a little bit of thirst, you know, a little bit of fatigue, it's nothing is worse than my Lyme symptoms. And I was so motivated to get better. And surprisingly, I felt increasingly better as I kept dry fasting. It was like my body was burning off this junk, so to speak, mm -hmm. in vernacular. And, and I felt better as the days progressed while I was still dry fasting, which to me was miraculous. Yeah. And when I came out of it, I really felt like I had been put back into my 17-year-old body. I was just like bouncing and my memory, I, I had no idea that these things would come back. And, you know, I went on to write four books in the last five years. There's, you know, in the process of coming out, this is the first one to come out. Um, but I've, you know, I spent the whole summer this year hiking through the Swiss Alps with, with my daughter and, you know, I'm running every day. And, and I just, I have this, I have this really high energy like I used to have. So that, that to me is, the reason why I, I need to put this out there. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's incredible and I'm so happy that, that it worked obviously. And, Thank you. and, and, and that you've got, you've got your life back. So yes, thank amazing. you. I'm grateful for that every single day. So when people pick up the book and read it, what, what, what are you hoping that, that they'll get out of it? Well, I want them to, I want them to understand that there's hope if you're in despair. I want them to see it's also a sort of a, a, a love letter to life itself. Um, it's not just staying in despair, it's really lifting up and, um, you know, 
um, finding finding your path to wellness. It's so, and then I ha- I include very detailed protocols that I discussed with Dr. Pilonov, even recipes, and I used a lot of meditations while I was dry fasting, just to you know keep calm during that process. So I include those in an appendix, and even for if someone is not ill, I think that it's an inspiring story, and that we can all improve our health. And the world, you know, the world does present a lot of challenges with pollution and just the toxins that we encounter living in, you know, living in cities. And so what my doctor, you know, is always stating is that this process is for everyone. And, you know, the people who I have seen, who have seen me and then decided to dry fast have just felt marvelous. And so I just, I would, I would like people to, to have access to that. I love it. Yeah, it's so true that our our lifestyles today and all the different environmental factors that are so dangerous for our bodies, let alone all the crap that we put into our bodies and and the things that that are self-inflicted. So the more that we can do to position our bodies to be healthy, the better. So makes sense. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and where can they pick up a copy of Starving to Heal in Siberia? Thank you so much, George. So Starving to Heal in Siberia is sold where books are sold. It's also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of the different um, web booksellers. Uh, I do have a website, michellesider.com, and some social media accounts. I think there's a Michelle Slater New York on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So I may be found there. I've also written a blog. I wanted to point out for your listeners who might have Lyme disease or other illnesses that there is an audiobook available. I, I really wanted that to be out there because people who are ill can't just sit down and read a whole book so i wanted to have the audiobook available that is available now uh, so there awesome well if you enjoyed this much as i did show michelle your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas pick up a copy of starving to heal in siberia wherever you buy your books and also keep in mind that the audiobook is also available and then go to michelleslater.com. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-S-L-A-T-E-R to find the blog as well. Thanks again, Michelle. Thank you, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.